0: My name's Ed Piscore. I do a comic sh- uh, called Hip-Hop Family Tree, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: Right on the nose, you hit the bullseye, Hawkeye.
2: It's, it, it, it definitely sounded better
1: first one was way off I was too close the second one
2: I definitely heard yeah you he spiked it the, the yeah I heard the spike and then
1: but that's it okay right. it's the audio that's at fault not you because it couldn't capture the magnitude of your woohoo right that's how it works oh the woohoo's on vacation with me so nice where's the other clown <laughs> I know you ain't fucking
2: talking to me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's talking to me about you. There you go.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, cause I don't <laughs> see your fucking giant red nose on my face, son.
1: That's cute.
0: Oh, you're not Joaquin? No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> you should be this week.
0: That preview looked horrible.
1: Stop. I don't see it. I don't. I don't know what the where the scoring. Have you seen Gojira from. yet? No, not yet. What is the matter with you? I don't I'm, understand you. I'm thinking. I'm trying. I got a lot to do. I'm. Uh, I was you planning. Have
0: fucking three days off now, a
1: week. Yeah, and what did I do in those three days?
0: Go to a matinee,
1: son. I'm going to do it. We're on vacation next week. Oh, that's right. I forgot you're on vacation next week. That's right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I figured, that's hey, you are going to have a fucking time. Good. Why? Well, I'm not going to show up.
0: Oh, you are going to show up.
1: Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind that. He was, he was over there by the crickets. Yeah, remember? It's like he was recording from my bedroom. Well, you don't tell them, but I was. Oh. Yeah. yeah. There's Man, something it's... under the bed. <laughs> hey, everybody, look at you. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 612. And I'm Vince B. Oh,
2: you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. This is true. And I'm Guy Fox.
1: Hmm. You're not. You're not Guy Fox. You're Jason Wood. Why'd you pick that? Why not? Well why not? There has to to be guessing.
0: I like to keep it guessing.
1: I know, but don't we need some kind of a a reference? I mean it just it seems it seems so random.
0: I've done it for six hundred of these. A lot of
1: them are really random. Okay. Stream of consciousness. I'll allow it. You're not Guy Fox. you're Jason Wood, everybody, and we're here once again. And delivering the message, the very important message that you should take heed. It's uh, where do you want to get your comics if you want to pay the least amount? Well, you know where to go. Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, has all the stuff you want from the previous catalog at a fraction of the price. From Scout Comics, we got Planet Caravan number one. Written by Andrea Amenta with art by the great Stefano Carduselli. This is a three ninety nine book, but you you're giggling right now as they say that because you know you're not gonna pay three ninety nine. You're gonna pay forty five percent off and get it for two dollars and nineteen cents. It's great. DC's taking another stab at Wildcats, this time with Warren Ellis and Ramon Villalobos. The cover is by the great Jim Chung, one of the covers again three ninety nine book, but it's a dollar ninety nine for you because you're smart and you know where to go and last but certainly not least, awesome preview pages for this book in the uh, catalog. It is the series premiere of a book written by Dan Waters with art by Danny, and it's called Coffin Bound. I really like what I see on this one it's uh you can bring it on home, read it, love it, enjoy it, sleep with it for a dollar ninety nine you're not going to find it cheaper anywhere else. Dcbservice.com. Peruse. Nicely done. Thanks. Terse even. Mm hmm. I'm That's rarely great. terse, but I think that was pretty terse. It was succinct, more yeah. than terse. None of those words are going to apply to the book I'm talking about tonight. It's no word. It's not going to be succinct or terse. No. Mm. No. Mm.
0: <laughs> so it's like an eleven-course tasting
1: meal. It's yeah, it's a massive tome. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's great, okay. Great stuff. What pray tell are we drinking? Well, I am uh,
0: drinking Poland Spring ice cold tap uh,
1: spring water. All right. Well, it, it looks like I may have been abducted by the bobby snatchers because I'm drinking water too. <laughs> yeah, black <laughs> black cherry. Delicious okay. water. Yeah, I'm pissed off. I don't want to drink. I don't like to drink when I'm pissed off because then I get angry. Wait, why are you pissed? Because of the friggin' post office. Oh, because of that. Oh, yeah, debacle. So, yes, black cherry.
0: We just ruined Dad's vacation.
1: No.
2: <sighs> <laughs> Good night, everybody <laughs> do, do I should have took the light off Everybody else going on, on vacation I know I should have took the night off um, well, I do have some Seltzer sitting here next to me when I finish when I feel I've had enough of this awesome Avalon Cabernet Sauvignon Nice.
1: I like the label. Yeah. It's a nice label.
0: Can I... um, I need to get this out of the way. I'm I'm officially filing this episode under protest. Why? Because the Cosmic Forces are not right. This is the Thursday before Father's Day. Mm -hmm. And if the Cosmic Forces were right, we wouldn't be able to record tonight because we would already be in Charlotte, North Carolina... At the bar at the hotel, hanging out with a couple hundred of our peeps. It's true. This is HeroesCon weekend. We decided to go to Chicago this year and not go to Heroes. Big and mistake. Big mistake. it made all the sense <laughs> yeah, It made all the sense in the world until like a day or two ago. And I started seeing,
2: oh yeah, packed up oh, for Heroes. Okay. Oh, yeah. A day 40... or two ago for Jason, but more like two hours after Vince and I were in Chicago. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's
1: like the fuck we doing no, here? It's,
0: it's I don't. You guys are callous because you apparently don't. You don't care about the hundreds of people that only get to see us in Chicago. That no, see that's us. not. That's
1: cool,
2: you heartless bastards. No, you're but reading
1: anyway. into it. No, 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 no.
2: What everybody else heard. No, uh, they all they all heard exactly what Jason here said. Yeah, we
1: so. we are not commenting on the the our friends or or the communal experience. We're commenting specifically on the show. Yes, and Chicago was la casa de poop.
0: Well, in any event, uh, tip uh, tip of the cap to our all of our friends and listeners who are in Charlotte either now or will be there in the next day or two. Uh, we 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 are with you in spirit, and yes. uh, I can't wait to make our triumphant return in twenty twenty. Same, same, y'all.
1: Yep, cannot wait. It's going to be a blast. And I saw Scotty's going to be there, and and Kelly Williams, and, and oh, it's like, okay. All the usual. I know. But a
0: lot of listeners we've never met will be there, too.
1: Well, We I have some ambassadors, us. don't we?
0: Oh, what do you mean?
1: Down at the Wait, show. Mean? I mean, you know, they can
0: meet other listeners. and Oh, there's going to be, a, that's what I'm saying, it's going to be, I mean, as always, you see Faithful going to run deep there. Hopefully they uh, they meet up with one another. But, it, yeah, it hurts, because we would have recorded last night.
1: We would have been together, too.
0: Together, live, in my kitchen, probably. Right.
1: yep. Yep. So, oh, well. uh, the commission list for Cliff and Justin, are they large?
0: Well, Cliff never has a large commission list. He's got a lot of reference, though, for a change. That was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective. I mean, I think when you say large, you mean, like, a la me and Justin. Cliff's never, Cliff's more manageable. He's more right.
2: in that dap category. He goes from you know, quality over quantity.
0: Well, just in <laughs> like quality and quantity, but um, yeah, I would say Cliff does what five to ten, maybe,
1: it's, and it's uh,
0: still quite a bit. But but uh, low back, I don't know.
2: He he yeah, he's probably in the high twenties, low thirties. bet. Yeah, he may have he may have scaled back because he did do quite well in Chicago, right? Um, as as much as as much. Fun. He seems to be value hunting at Heroes. He is, yeah, yeah. I would say so. You can go for any big pieces, and, and and let's not let's not get it twisted. As as much fun that Vince and I have at at C two e two's expenses, the 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 pokes we make um are just for he and I. We are in no way talking for everybody else. everybody else pretty much had a fantastic time and made out like bandits. So so for Vince and I, just to have a little bit of fun, it's again we're not saying that anybody who went to Chicago instead of Heroes um, are fools. It's just that I may just feel a certain kind of way about missing this weekend.
1: You know what Dap just did? He just put a little Dora band aid on the wound and he kissed it. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. Get out there and play. Go ahead. <laughs> You're adorable. Go have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I posed a question in my mind as Jason was saying about. Loback's uh, commission list and I was thinking where's the end what's what propels oa or commission buyers to to keep going and and when is enough enough and I'm thinking well that's ridiculous because when is enough comics enough never right no, well, so it's,
0: it's yeah absolutely I mean there's always it evolves there's there's always new artists there's artists we sure. love that that can draw different subjects there's Um, yeah, no, I, I don't, I mean, assuming funds and time to go to conventions doesn't end, I don't know why the OA search would ever end.
2: Right. I think it it would, it's, well, no, there, there is no cut and try answer. I, I know for a fact that there is someone that we know who pretty much, um, for all intents and purposes, is kind of retired from OA. Oh, McDade? No, oh. no, no, no. Um, I was even thinking about Jerry because Jerry's still kind of in it, right? Because he's still he's still doing. No, he's, story, he's really or?
0: just trying to finish finish up? the few things that are unfinished. I mean, he's oh. he's in his 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 final his death
2: march. <laughs> he's 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 done pretty much. Um, but I think I. But I think with Jerry. Um, if the stars align, he, he could come out of retirement for, you know, something special. And, and oh sure, I think if there are, um, if somebody has a specific subject, I mean, for Jason, it's, it's, it's domino for the most part, but if there's, if there's someone who just really, really loves images of the white queen, I think as long as he's able to, check off the bucket list on, on certain artists who would draw that character. Um, I think, and I haven't talked to Pat in a while, but I think for the most part, Pat's pretty much retired from OA.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but I'm sure if someone were to come out and, and, you know, if he was able to get on a list or win a lottery for, for, for someone's list then you know, he might, he might go for it. I Pat, with everything that, uh, that Pat has going on in his life. I don't think he would, um, I don't think that's really a hard and fast rule someone needs to live by. But um yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it it's it's kind of like the question if I could have one piece from someone. What the fuck what, on earth? <laughs> <laughs> what is that?
1: It's some asshole on a motorbike. <laughs> a okay. motorbike. It's a bad motor scooter.
2: Motorboating. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Holy shit. Anyway, um If I could have like one piece from someone and then never get another piece again, uh, another new piece or anything, I don't – it would – I don't know. I I really don't. Like if someone said, hey, here's here's Gil Kane's cover to, you know, showcase number 22 and, oh, yeah, okay. Or, you know, you can keep – Getting OA whenever you go to cons, I, I'd have to think long and hard.
1: Yeah, same. If I had the opportunity to get a Richard Corbin, I probably would not buy any more uh, commissions or OA after a Corbin because I'm done that's it I, I i don't need anything else but yeah, then,
0: i mean but respectfully you are in a much different place you're you're not much of an o a collector anyway sure I mean, you are you're, you're, you're sort of sporadic and or every now and then you get the inkling but it's uh you you you, you initiated the question by asking about lowback or myself who get a lot when it's enough enough and i i i think it's it's just there's always something new to get you know sure i mean because if you look at the con list of any couple of years there's a pretty big rotation even though there's a lot of people that make repeat appearances at places like Chicago or Heroes and you know you see them a lot there's there's always what a third to a half of the roster turns over so always new artists coming into the town there's always OG legends that don't do a lot of cons that, that make a special appearance and you know it's, the hustle never ends man but the real answer is that you stop doing it when it stops being fun yeah Either because of cost or because of repetitiveness or bad experiences, or like I think of mcDade and and I'm not talking out of school he said this on our forums and not and and in Facebook group for him it just it got out of hand financially you know it it because he he was a fellow jam piece guy and he he had goals of having the very top legendary creators do his jams, and that's a hard thing to pull off because. First of all, you need to be at a con where they're going to be, which is much less frequent. And then you need to convince them to do a jam, which is very, very difficult. You need to be there early. You need to you need to get them to even consider it. So I, I think he got frustrated at the whole process that it just to, he couldn't get his pieces done the way he wanted them to be done, and um, it it just got to a point where he said, you know, I don't know, wh- like what am I doing? You know, why, right. why am I so?
1: I get you. Um the previous 16 minutes at least my portion is probably going to sound like crap because uh Skype defaulted again to the the onboard mic on the MacBook and not the Yeti even though I had selected the Yeti and I just fixed it. So the I'm going to sound like crap previous to this. You sounded
0: okay to my ears, but Yeah, know. but that's that's
1: yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how okay. it works out. But anyway, I'm not going to worry about it. This is uh this is the way it goes today. I Cinema Vince. Yeah, it's true.
2: And that's if they heard you over homeboy and his fucking rusted out. Bike. Yeah, right?
1: The Again. fuck dude. That's pretty cool. Uh I'm not down with the whole Harley Davidson for that reason. I think the uh, Oh, I'm
2: not either and this so wasn't. This was the, I mean this was almost like it was, it it kind of looked like a dirt bike just kind of just bare bones, barely anything all in it together from what I could tell under the street lamp.
1: Yeah. I know it's the trademark sound of a Harley engine. Oh, I hate it! Yeah, but it, it just bugs the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Hi, look at me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's great. Look at me and my CRV, bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no brakes. Oh yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I lost a brake pad. That was me. That, that yeah. was me up until this morning. So. So it's not good when you
2: hear metal grinding. That's
1: cool. No, it's not. But then, see, I, I heard metal grinding, and now I don't hear it anymore. Which means that well, I either there's none left. Yeah, which, <laughs> you
2: scraped the rotors though, Which means shit.
1: I either lost a <laughs> brake pad or or whatever. And hey, it's all good. The thing still stops.
2: And it's like, and and the thing is, it's like, oh, you, you know, you're supposed to hear your your brakes squeal if that you know that that that's that's an indication. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but my car's sound it, it's practically soundproof. I don't hear shit outside when 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 my windows are up and and the sunroof is closed. So. The people outside aren't telling me, "Hey, I hear your brakes squealing," because I sure as hell ain't hearing it. So right. I don't know until it's almost at the point of no return.
1: It's fun. It's an adventure. It is. Every yeah. trip is an adventure. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> my Let, wife's chagrin. Yeah, and Jason.
2: <sighs> oh, <that's> just... <laughs> Remember that? He's, He's like a wake up twitching. He's, just... He's
1: like, "Oh my lord!" <laughs> Hand on the forehead. My lord.
2: Board. It's awesome all right let's oh. talk about
1: some comics before they get bored Dude,
2: let's do that
1: we don't there's want it of
2: clicked off it's bolded
0: so i'm curious people have already turned off uh the show so
1: no they never
0: will they're all at heroes
1: well there's exactly. that exactly. yeah there's that
0: maybe we're playing maybe tomorrow night we'll be we'll be streaming over the uh the uh speakers at the uh at the Weston bar maybe maybe <laughs> So everybody can can make sure they're caught up.
1: I sincerely hope not. But that's okay. All right, so come on, let's dig in. What do we have to discuss here? Should be lots of stuff. Oh, so much. Well, lead the pack.
0: All right, well, uh, I read two graphic novels by the same creator this week. Uh, And that is an Italian gentleman named Paolo Parisi. And Paolo creates biographical graphic novels. And the two I read are called Blues for Lady Day and Basquiat.
1: Mm, Nice.
0: Yes, I figured
1: you would like that. My man.
0: Uh, Yes, exactly. Um, I'll I'll touch on Blues for Lady Day quickly because that um, was the less successful of the two in my opinion. Um, for those that don't know, uh, you, that is a – the title's a Dead giveaway if you know anything about her, but it, that is a biography about Billie Holiday. And it was fine, but it was very straightforward. In a lot of ways, it read almost like a children's book, in my opinion, in the sense that it was relatively straightforward, simplistic line work about her life in a very linear fashion, narrated um, in a – conventional biographical way so it was fine I mean but it really did remind me of being in middle school and you have to pick someone to do a book report about and you go to the library and you pick out a biography and you read it and then you regurgitate some of it so I was I, I it, it didn't it didn't hit me in the feels it didn't feel special um I mean it was fine it was fine for what it was and particularly if, if you if you don't know anything about Billie Holiday uh, it's as good a way to learn about her as uh, as I guess that there is. But then he redeems himself in a huge way with the Boscat book. Uh, first of all, the Gap book is a totally different package. It's um, much thicker cardstock. Uh, it's a bigger book. It's probably about fifty to sixty percent more pages. Um, and then I just think it's a far more accomplished effort all in all. First of all. Um, as, much like Vince, I am a big fan of the subject matter. I am a huge fan of what is going on. I am um, baffled. The windows are closed. And- Cinema Verite here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, like I'm going to work on my bike at 9.30 at night. That's not going to bother anybody. Right. Um, I am a very, very big fan of, uh, of Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, and so... It it was probably a given I was going to enjoy this book to some degree. But I think that uh, Parisi hits his stride in this one because um, it, too, is a relatively linear look at his life, but the artistry in it just is at another level, and, and fittingly so because of Boscat being an artist. and um, This book, he has a ton of fun with the structure of the page, the, the book is primarily um, colored in vibrant primary and secondary colors. Um, there's a bit of a Fumetti aspect, and, and I don't mean Fumetti in the traditional sense where he's just taking pictures and whatnot and pasting them in a, in a montage. But I'm saying the underlying structure of some of these things are actual famous pieces of Basquiat art or articles or, or handwritten letters that he did or... Uh, street signs and 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 clearly those served as as direct inspiration for the pages to tell the story, um, and it's uh, it's just a far more artistic book. Um, it's a little bit less linear. It also is uh, uh, because of the nature of Basquiat and his 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 art style and his uh, being so in his own mind and 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 obviously using a lot of drugs and, and the time. There's a lot more exploration in terms of what's going on inside of his mind or how he sees the world versus just presenting the world in a straightforward fashion as they did in the Billy Holiday book. It, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's it's I will say that as someone who who has read about uh, Basquiat, um before in prose form, I, I I thought that this he clearly did his homework. Um, he he even has. Um, at the end he even has Vince, you'll appreciate this. Um Basquiat in Hawaii just living his life, you know, which was mm-hmm. obviously what he always wanted to do, but but didn't make it. So um I I, I, I can't recommend this enough. I, I I don't have a lot to say in terms of, of this isn't like reviewing a, a fiction book where there's some kind of big plot twist. I mean this is just a, a very creative, wonderfully effective look at, at Basquiat. And for those of you that don't know um, he was one of the most important um, pop modern artists of our lifetimes. He, um, he passed away at 27 years old. There's that 27, right? That seems to be a strange year. How so many uh, artistic uh, luminaries die at that age, but um, he just was how to describe him. He, he, the thing I like about him versus a lot of modern artists um, is just that uh he seemed to have almost almost a uh, an otherworldly natural connection to his art he just made art he just went around the world or his his world making art with really very little consideration about um why he was doing it or um what it was going to get him in his later years meaning the last few years he got a little caught up in the idea of being famous for the sake of it but but his art didn't change so i appreciated that like, he is um, very well known for being one of Andy Warhol's good friends, protégés, whatever you want to call however you want to call it. I wouldn't say protégé, because I don't think they really had that kind of relationship, although he might have disagreed. Um, but I'm not a Warhol fan. I, 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 that may be a blasphemy to Vince. But I've, I've had the opportunity to see um, a lot of Warhol art up close and personal because of a uh, art auction that my firm participated in a year or two ago. And um, it's – I mean, listen, I, I'm not – I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I don't understand or or acknowledge Warhol's importance uh, that would be silly but it, I never I never gravitated towards his art but Basquiat's art just blows me away. Uh I I as I said to these guys on our little Slack channel today if I ever had the opportunity to have generational wealth you know where you have more money than your generations could ever spend I, I would I would find a way to buy a Basquiat something of it to have. Um it means that much to me. Um and, you know, you wonder, like with many creators, if, if he hadn't died, would our perception of him have changed? But uh, it's fairly interesting because in a period of like seven years, he went from living essentially as a flop, in a flop house with some other buddies making no money, literally like no money, like he couldn't sell his art, to randomly selling postcards of his art for 20 bucks a piece to seven years later selling his art for $50,000 a pop. And then shortly after he died... 4 years after he died one of his pieces went for a record 110 million dollars um which i believe is still the record for a modern painting i'm pretty sure that's still the record maybe not but uh at least that record held for a long time um in fact i, I know at least up until that point even warhol who was certainly the most the more, the more famous had never sold a piece for that much i think he had sold something for 107 million so um yeah, I, uh, I I definitely think this is worth it if you're a fan of 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 him. Or you've been curious about him and wanted to know. You know, I bet a lot of people listening probably are most familiar with the name because of the movie that came out. Um, mm-hmm. What was that? In the, I guess probably the mid-90s, right? Yeah, seems right. Um, and that's, an, I don't know if you remember the movie, but that was an interesting movie because uh, Jeffrey Wright played the, the lead role. And I thought he was fantastic playing uh Basquiat but i thought the movie was pretty bad as a whole um julian schnabel also a extremely famous and wildly f- uh, financially successful um artist also from that era uh wrote and directed the movie uh and i think that's part of the problem i think it was very very in- uh, indulgent um he in fact there there's gary oldman is in the movie and uh it, it under a different name but it was basically julian schnabel julian schnabel put himself in the movie gary oldman was him and made him out to be like this, this paragon of wisdom, and you know, and, and like he could do no wrong. And um, so, I thought the movie was a failure, but but I appreciated that it got Boscat's legend out there to the masses. So, um, so if you really want to get a better glimpse into what the guy was like, I, I would. This is a much better glimpse into uh, into what he was like as a person and a creator. That movie. So, yeah, I I, uh, give a a solid C for Blues for Lady Day and an A plus for Basquiat, which is – the official title is Basquiat, a graphic novel. And I don't even know who published it, actually. Let's see. Uh, Huh. Um, Lauren C. King Publishing. So, yeah, it's it's not not like a major – this is definitely more of a bookstore buy. I don't think you can get this at most comic shops. So, yeah, it's from Lawrence King Publishing out of the U.K. Um, And it was originally published in Italy uh, by Centuria um, because Parisi is an Italian uh,
1: creator. So give it a whirl. Two things. Mm -hmm. Totally blanked on this. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous, right? That Basquiat could be one of my favorites, and I totally did not order this. I,
0: I I don't remember this being solicited.
1: No, it was. Oh, was it? looking back. Yeah, it, it was. Oh, I ordered it from
0: Amazon. So,
1: um, and uh, two, it's it's very strange. I I have a, a an unending love for jazz, but when there's vocals, I can't listen to it. And and I will admit that Billie Holiday has a great voice, but when you pair the vocals over the the jazz, I just I, it loses me. I I can't listen to it. Hmm. Yep. It's very strange. That's interesting. I like, yeah. my, I like my instrumentals, but I, I no. put a beautiful voice over it, and it's like, no, nah, nah, son, can't have it.
0: Yeah. I, it, also, for those that don't know, uh, Andy Warhol and Boscat died in the same year. Even even more fascinating. The universe it's, it's, is strange. Yes. Some, some have, in the movie, which is one of the big problems I have, that they, they make it out in the movie to be that basically Boscat loses all grip on reality, when Andy dies and it sends him into a spiral and he dies shortly thereafter. And that's, that is not the way it happened, but like Andy and Basquiat were friends. Basquiat because he was 20, what? 21, 22. Um, and Warhol was already Andy Warhol in capital letters. So of course he worshiped the ground of the guy, but, um, but he didn't, he had one run in with him at a restaurant.
2: Um,
0: a random run in. And then two years later, Andy came to Basquiat's first big solo exhibition and they became fast friends and were just friends. They were legitimate. Like they hung out all the time together. He was Bosco was part of Andy's uh, studio crew. And, um, and as the story goes, they were both so big uh, as contemporaries. In fact, at this point, Basquiat was a much bigger deal than Andy. Andy had kind of, uh, Cross the chasm that a lot of people thought Andy was using Basquiat to stay relevant. Um, and then their, well, they wouldn't friend, really
1: be wrong.
0: No, oh, I'm not saying they're wrong. Yeah. Um, and then their mutual friend convinced them to do quote unquote collaborative pieces. And those pieces were eviscerated by the art community. Um, and you can make up that whatever you will, but, 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 but they actually did do a couple giant pieces together um, and it, it didn't make a lot of sense, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like why their their styles are so very different. And, uh, y- you know, once once you delve into something that's so purely commercial, it's it's really kind of feels icky. Um, but, yeah, so uh, look at me. I was here. I am arguing about the importance of commercialism in comics last week against you. And then now I'm saying, but, but this is different. I think we're talking yeah. the art of that caliber should yeah. not be. Should not delve into commercialism. You're
1: inconsistent. What can we say? That's okay.
0: No, I, I <laughs> think there's there's difference. Comics is a is a lowbrow commercial medium at its core. But what
1: those two did was not. So there. I don't think I'm touching that. Let's, <laughs> let's just move on. You know, we should New York Comic Con. We should go to MoMA and look at some Basquiat. Sure. On Saturday or something. I don't mind. Yeah. Oh. As far as museums go, mine is the Whitney, but I'll go to the oh, MoMA.
0: D- oh, dude, I'll, I'd, ra- I'd rather go to the Whitney. I, I, there's a lot of the MoMA I don't find that engaging about.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: the Whitney's the, the bomb.
1: No doubt. All right. Whitney, yeah. bet. I'm there. EOC, get together with the Whitney, all You heard it here first. How about that? We have to walk in with our pinkies in the air. Hoo-hoo. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, then we'll stop at a, at a, at a cigar bar and have a
1: aperitifs. i'll just have one i don't need a pair (laughs) yay all right i have something and it is the only it is the only thing the only thing i read this week wow yes it's massive Well, you you have two things listed i know but i talked about one last week and i can get into it again if you want but um the, you mentioned self-indulgent and, and excessive and overblown and, and that, those words fairly, are fairly accurate in representing, um, the entire Gates of Plasma experience. This is a, uh, 300, around 300 page book written and illustrated by Carlos Gonzalez. I've been, um, Uh, Wow, I've been envious of Carlos Carlos for years and years, um, ever since Dan uh, Nadell over at Picture Box would sell Carlos's little single issues of Slime Freak, and they had other things at at Picture Box. So I blame Dan for introducing me to Carlos Gonzalez, but I've been a fan for a long time. And now um, Carlos has found a home over at Floating World Comics, along with Josh and the guys from All Time Comics and... Uh, floating World seems to be the uh, next in line to, for the picture box legacy, for, for my eyes. But, I mean, it, it appears to be seen. It's, they're still pretty pretty new. But um, so Gates of Plasma, 300 pages. What in the hell is it about? That's a really good question, um, which was why I had to read it again. Um Almost immediately after reading it the first time, because uh Carlos bounces around a lot, and it seems like he'll get inspired, and the narrative takes a kind of pause to let him work out whatever the current inspiration is, and then he eventually goes back to the narrative, like you'll have two characters pertinent to a scene that is propelling the narrative and they'll say, "Well, yeah, um this was kind of like that one time that something happened and then he'll go on for like five pages about this event that really has no bearing on the 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 narrative the the in the moment, but big picture it does. So it may seem like it's disjointed, it maybe intentionally so, but it's it's a very surreal experience. It it all begins with a spinstress from Pennsylvania, of all places, mm. she's from Clearfield, Pennsylvania, and we're talking a hundred years ago, a uh, hundred years prior to the current events of the narrative. So it's it's told in in um, semi flashback. So this woman's named Mary Logan, right? And so Mary's tooling around one night alone, pulling her her cart. ...that has corn husks and, and hay bundles in it... ...and she's walking down this road at night... ...after a long, hard day... And, ...and a large dog appears in the road... ...in front of her, right? And the the dog's eyes meet Mary's eyes... ...and they linger... ...like they're staring into each other's eyes... ...like something, something's being shared between the two, right? And then this, this strong wind... ...erupts out of nowhere... ...and it blows a large branch out of a tree... And the branch snags a power line, and pulls the, the the power line down, and it electrocutes the dog, right? But it's it's a dog that's not a dog, right? The the beast is howling and it's shaking, and he, and and there's there he's glowing, and there's this this stuff pouring out of him, and um. Mary, she she approaches the dog that's not a dog and and her perception is splintered and, and fractured and uh sensory information shifts and blends and as the dog becomes something else and the pull that mary feels becomes stronger and she's she gets in proximity of the dog and all these shapes are appearing and mary notices a tongue floating in this this cloud of of weird shapes and and feelings and and she she starts tongue in the tongue so so she's communing with this tongue and something changes in mary right she wakes up the next day on the road with the cart dog is dead mary's naked um the dog that's not a dog and uh she feels her mind expand information was passed on to her like concepts of alien worlds and that are somehow linked by uh, a web of of stargates and and mary spends her entire life piecing together this information imparted by the dog that was not a dog and in 1947 she finishes an intricate a very precise stage play called the metamorphic wall and it's a, a very weird play and there's very exacting stage notes very precise stage notes for the manner by which the play can be performed. It's never been performed because nobody had the ability to do it the way Mary intended it to be done. And um, so years later, this play, Metamorphic Wall, garners the attention of one Mr. Camden, or Cadman, sorry, Cadman. And this guy would eventually become the head of Nortel Pharmaceuticals. So what's up with Mr. Cadman? Well, he devote his entire life to exploring the ideas that Mary imparted in the play, to the point where he's gonna use his formidable resources to enact this play exactly as she intended. Right just right by the book. All all the the notes he's gonna get it down exactly, but he's missing one crucial element. And that's where Ray comes in. Ray Baumel is a pharmaceutical developer and he's hired by cadman and it's it's weird during the interview process ray's sitting in a chair and cadman who's a a -a wackadoodle very extreme very eccentric he's talking to him and he he goes can i call you worm and ray's like yeah i I guess you can call me worm whatever And and then he goes on to the symbology of the worm and whatever but as he's talking to ray this this strange flying insect with a human face comes in the room, right? And it comes up from behind Ray. And this this tail-like thing comes out, and it sticks in the back of Ray's neck. And then Ray's perceptions kind of shift and undulate, and he sees and feels things. And later on, Ray and this dwarf named Grumbo, <laughs> they go down into the sewer. And they Grumbo's like, hey, let's go down the sewer. Ray's like, why? While we going down the sewer? He's like, well, come on, let's just go down into the sewer. So they get down into the sewer, and they encounter this woman. She's dressed in this, like, outlandish costume. And um, she's living in the sewer. And the scene progresses, and she kind of passes out. And they bring her back to Nortel, and she's monitored. She's in this tank, and they monitor her. And it turns out that the the woman... Goes by the name of Laura, she excretes a substance from her ears. This, this stuff that smells like ranch dressing comes out of her ears. And when someone comes into contact with it, whether ingesting it or, or by skin, it allows the person that it ingested it to feel the exact same feelings as Laura. Like if, if someone stabs Laura, the person that ingested that goop from her ears is going to feel the same exact pain that Laura felt. If mm. she if she's in the throes of ecstasy, again, the person who, who this stuff comes into contact with revels in that ecstatic emotion, right? So um, there's another figure in the mix, and there's this truck driver named Greg. And Greg's a bit down on his luck. He has a failed relationship. He's in love with this woman, and she left. And so he, he immerses himself in drugs, and he's squatting in this dilapidated structure. And Greg's mind is pretty fragile, right? So much so that he talks to a shoe. He carries <laughs> carries a shoe around with him, and he talks to the shoe. And, and he, he smells the shoe, and he, he's, you know, and it, but anyway, um he he's coming out of this, this rundown building and he notices a flyer taped to the outside of the place. And it's it's a Nortel Industries flyer. And it's like, you know, they're soliciting participants for a paid research experiment on depression and schizophrenia. So he goes, right? He says, well, what do I have to lose, right? I want to get out of this. I've just got to do this. And it seems like exactly the thing he needs. But it's in this manner that he comes into contact with Laura. He, he goes into the room. He sees her in the tank. He, they bond. They make videos. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. They they act out. There's a video camera in the room, and they act out this strange role playing thing. Uh, they have sex, and and Ray ingests the sticky ranch dressing stuff from her ear. And they yeah. yeah and, and while they're while they're you know communing, they feel in the exact same thing. So they fall in love. um so he doesn't want to see this woman in a tank in a in a using you know being a guinea pig so he takes her out of the room at nortel and you know just when cadman was hoping to get a glimpse at the woman with the ear excretions that he needs to pull off mary logan's play that's the thing if he can get those those ear excretions and make the audience feel exactly what's going on from the the lead performer in the play. Like that's what Mary required for this, this plane. So he needs the, the ranch dressing out of her ear to get this thing going. Um, so he's desperate to get her back. And he calls in the Schweinberg twins, <laughs> one of which is named Carl, right? He takes his shirt off at one point in the book and he has organs on his chest. Like Ugh. there's teeth embedded in his chest. There's an eye. There's, and there's, like, male genitalia. He's got a dick. Ugh. He's got a dick hanging off his chest, right? So they eventually catch um, Greg and Laura together, and they, um, Carl cuts off Greg's hand, right? And then he opens his shirt, and his chest dick pees. <laughs> he pees on, on Greg, and his piss, his piss is acid, and it dissolves half of Greg's face. So they take Laura away, right? And Greg wakes up, and Laura's gone. So what does he do? Well, the rest of the book kind of details the meeting between Gene and Ray with Grumbo. Gene's not all that happy with Camden's uh, chicanery, so he and Grumbo team up with Ray, and they, they, they make efforts to find Laura, who, unknown to Gene, is pregnant with his child, Right? And I won't spoil the beans, uh or spill the beans, but it's it's a child, yeah, but it doesn't look like um the standard human child. It's pretty pretty amazing. Um and I left out a lot of stuff that I think the readers should experience for themselves. Like there's it's much, much stranger but than that. But you I, gave away the the, no, the, but, the chest dick pissing? Well, yeah, if I, if I tell you (laughs) I read a book with a guy with a dick on his chest pissing on somebody, like, you're not going to read it. Come on. I had to tell you about that. I might, I might not, but. (laughs) No, you gotta, right? Um, uh, long story short, we do get to see Mary Logan, Logan's play. They, they, they pull off, they pull off the play, but it's a version tweaked by one member of the cast. We're, we're kind of told about ammonium 13. Which is a, a uh, an alien planet on the fringes of what we know, and the reason why it's called Ammonium Thirteen is there's thirteen giant continents on this planet, and they're littered with beings from all across the universe. So how are all these beings from you know scattered amongst the the universe? How do they all arrive on Ammonium Thirteen? That's kind of the point of Mary Logan's play, and you can read the specifics if you read the book. Um, I I adored this book, every single frickin' page, um, because it it gives a big old bear hug to William Burroughs and David Cronenberg. Um, there's there's the concept of shared information, which is crucial to the narrative, right? Um, there's these experiments. They detail in the book where uh, multiple cameras are set up around town and it's there's not just like, oh, here's an alleyway. Right. But the 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 lenses are zoomed in on just like abstract portions of the the terrain. And then they take the video and they overlay it on other videos captured elsewhere in the town. And it's 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 like Burroughs's cut up techniques. Right. You have all these uh, nondescript. Abstract elements put together where the meaning wasn't apparent from the pieces, but once you smack them all together, you're getting or imparting some kind of meaning to it where there was none. Was it there? Was it not there? Who knows, right? Um But it it's it's an amazing, amazing book. And it's 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 somewhat stream of consciousness in that you could tell like the narrative just goes wherever Gonzalez you know i'm sure he had a plan but he he has these little flights of fancy within the big narrative that's why it's 300 pages that are to me they were very welcome because they all deal with concepts and making um using information external information to make sense of of this shared experience we have on in this reality um have you guys ever seen carlos gonzalez's art
0: uh, not until th- this week
1: <laughs> well, he he rarely uses well uh, in this book he he never uses black it's all line work there are no solid blacks in the entire book and it's the same line weight throughout the entire uh book he doesn't uh it's not brush it's it's done with with a, a pen um and he doesn't it's very uh faux naive um almost uh neo-primitive where his people are all blocky and the the women are not curvy at all they're they're just like um like lego women they're they're very blocky and and inelegant and and genitals and and breasts and like the the, the naughty bits are not rendered in a in a sensual way they're just there right
0: yeah i mean i looked at i looked at some of the pla- the plasma pages after you mentioned you were going to be talking about it so
1: yeah, I love his art. I, I, I find it, I, th- I think it's very beautiful. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a commonly accepted definition of beautiful. It's not elegant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, mm-hmm. a, you know, uh, there's no flourishes. It's not adorned with anything. It's, 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 it's matter of fact. It's, he, he, he's, it's like he's channeling the story from somewhere where people he, can go to floatingworldcomics.com to see some of the pages if you're yeah, curious. Yeah, he's great. Um the the slime freak zine that uh Dan used to send, he would hand color the covers. Like the covers mm-hmm. would be printed in black and white and then he'd take a a marker or a Sharpie and he would outline or color in uh points. So every every copy was was uh special. It it was uh unique in the sense that the coloring was not the same over the course of, however many he printed, but um, no, I, I this is a very was a very vivid experience for me because I love this stuff. I ate it up, and and um, the center of the narrative is is mind altering drugs. That's right, part of the whole point of it, and and that's one of my favorite subjects because funny that uh, in in its own way that uh, mind altering drugs have uh, are, are
0: part of both of the things we've talked about so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's an experiment on rats. They feed the rats Mary's um, ear uh, goo, and one of the rats laughs, and then in a cage next to it, the other rat that ate the the goo laughs too. So it's like there there there's not there's a linkage between these two organisms caused by the stuff that comes out of Laura's ear. Uh, I said Mary, Laura. Um, and and the the pharmaceutical company is crucial to it too. But it gets to the point where do these substances in the narrative and in the real world do they alter or do they unlock? That that's one of my my biggest questions that that has plagued my entire existence. When when you introduce a substance to your body that changes thought processes and perception. Is it altering the machine or is it unlocking the machine? We don't know, right? I guess we won't know until, until we, we pass, if there's anything after this. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and of course, I'm a huge proponent of Terrence McKenna, who uh, postulates that were it not for uh, psychoactive drugs uh, in the form of psilocybin mushrooms, that language would never have been created. We'd still be grunting, um, and you know, take that as you want to. Uh, I'm sure you know. Eventually, would we would have inv- evolved into something? But he said that uh, psilocybin mushrooms jump started the language process because primitive man tried to make sense of what was going on when they would, you know, find a, a lump of dog shit with these weird little things growing on it and they would eat them and then they would trip balls and experience something and there was no way to accurately describe or try to describe what they uh experienced in that state so it gave rise to language now i don't know if that's if i believe that i don't know if i'm a subscriber to that theory but terence was and uh for my you know that's that's good enough for me i'll i'll give him a pass on that one but i'm I'm very very curious about the uh altered states, so to speak william hurt right um but this book, man, it knocked me on my ass uh so much so that I had to relive it immediately after finishing finishing it the first time. I think it's wonderful, and um if you're a little bit adventurous in your in your tastes, I think you should give it a try it'll 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 take you a while to read it too uh each page is is plastered with panels. Um six nine twelve there there's no splash pages in this thing it's it's pretty dense, so uh, I think it's a worthy worthy uh exceptional read and I, I think you should uh investigate if you have some time when Kate?
0: I saw the art, I really thought, oh, this is the most picture- picture box thing that's just talked about in a while
1: well he it's where I found him picture box, yeah, 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 Dan. Whatever you may say about the man, he has impeccable taste.
0: What is, what is Stan Nadell up to these days?
1: Well, he's still working with the Comics Journal. He's, I believe he's editor. Well, right, but I mean, he, he's not. Oh, he's still he's writing just, books. Yeah, he's kicking yeah. out books and he, he curates um, shows and. and uh, okay. you no, know, he's still very active. It's just that unfortunately, Picturebox ran its course. Right. And right. yeah, I mean I we I mean I didn't know how good we had it back then. I mean you, there were days you can go to Picture Box site and find you know a slew of of new art from areas that mm-hmm. you know you would never expect and it's like, "Oh, that, those were the salad days." Yeah? Yeah. So, Gates of Plasma. Carlos Gonzalez, check it out. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. What else do we have?
0: Just a quick mention, just because uh, you didn't mention it in the previews. It, anytime uh, our good friend Chris Pitzer at Ad House has a new book, I'd like to uh, call attention because he is a publisher that uh, we all love and he picks his spots I and mean, he probably puts out, what, maybe four books a year now, maybe? Three, four? That sounds right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't, um, but this he has one this month that's called Jeremiah. And, yeah, uh, it's in my video. Yes, yes. So. Um, so for all of you all that aren't patrons and don't get to see our previous videos, um, which are many of you, many many thousands of you, um, you uh, you should check out Jeremiah from Picture Box this, uh, Ed Ed house. Box from house
1: this month. We kicked the previews videos in the ass this month. Got them done early. Yeah, yeah.
0: no doubt. Yeah, which is good because gives people house. a chance to decide mm-hmm. if they want to add some stuff to their order.
1: Yep. Did you both order Marvel Comics one thousand? Of course yeah what cover did you order are you talking to me Well, because i didn't I order either it. of you yeah i didn't order. oh it. oh
2: okay. i didn't
1: decide on the cover yet
2: Well, Vince, i, mean, I figured if we talked about action and detective this 4.99 shit. i figured it was you know yeah
1: all right i'll add it
2: i mean it's an anthology we always say no matter what yeah. happens you're always going to get a couple of decent stories out of an anthology
1: and it is only five bucks right i ordered the yeah.
0: scotty Two hottie cover of course what year is that what decade is that I don't think there it is a decade. I think it's just oh, a okay. Scotty Young cover. To, to uh, Marvel's credit, most of the variants, and there's like 8,000 of them, are yeah. same price as the regular issue. So. There are a few, I guess, Chase variants that are way expensive. But when I saw that Scotty's variant was just the same price, I figured why not.
1: Right. I haven't looked to see if it. doesn't all yet. The one thing that did catch my eye from the Marvel section, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get it or not, was the uh, Marvel Monsters. Which which yep. looks good, but you know that's going to be in a collection somewhere along the well, line. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, because it's a, it's a done in one. Mm-hmm. Where else they gonna they, they need to combine it with something if they're going to make the make more money on it. So that's right. But it, it does look good, and I believe it's by uh, Colin Bunn, right? He's been doing the the Marvel Monsters thing.
0: He definitely was doing the the series, but I don't know. I, I offhand, I don't remember if he is the writer of this one
1: yeah so marvel comics 1000 is a big deal it is well yeah it is i mean
0: they would have us believe it's a big deal (laughs) it would be nice (laughs) if it was
1: if it if the thematically it was an ongoing or a series of 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 uh one shots or something but one just seems i don't know it seems kind of underwhelming to me same to you like I, yes i i realize it's an event but it would have been nice if they all all these I think
2: it's more of a gimmick than an event but i know what you mean yeah
1: but i mean if they if they did um a series of maybe mini series to commemorate this giant um but it's a made-up anniversary that doesn't mean there's i know n- nothing... i know but this is yeah. marvel right i mean I, I, is there eightieth year it's surprisingly understated i mean one special even though it is 10 bucks Seems to be playing it a bit close to the vest from Marvel. Like, you would think they would milk this 80 thing, but I guess there's too much being poured into absolute carnage. they had to
0: dedicate 26 (laughs) issues to absolute carnage. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I went on a rant on Twitter about that. I. Far be it for me to tell a company as successful as Marvel how to handle their business, but I. I do not understand the logic of what they're doing. I, I don't understand it. And I know lots of retailers don't understand it either. Like if, if, if you're going to take a team like Donny Cates and, and, and Stegman, who, uh, as we know from, we had them on the show, uh, Venom has been an absolute runaway hit for Marvel. And that team has momentum and people love them. And you're going to give them an event a.k.a. Uh, you know, Absolute Carnage, to, to do their thing, um, it would stand to reason to me that you might not want to dilute this powerhouse team that you're putting a lot of effort behind marketing with 25 other books titled Absolute Carnage that are tied into it. I, 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 I think it, gets, it just dilutes the book itself, and it makes people say, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to read it. Uh, it's too much. And it makes a lot of retailers say, I'm not gonna bother. I'm not gonna order it unless it's a unless it's a pull list person that pre orders it, I'm not gonna bother. It just doesn't make like I don't just doesn't make sense to me. Let it stand on its own and make it be a badass thing where everyone's stoked. And then if it's really cool and popular, you can do follow ons, right? It just right. It doesn't make sense to me. Whatever, I don't wanna get I don't wanna get bogged down in business talk, but I I I, I I truly am baffled by that. I, I think I counted, I put it on Twitter. It was a couple weeks ago, so I don't remember the, but I, I think I went through count and counted. I think there were, there were over 30 spider related titles in previews this month. That makes no sense. Well, because yeah, no, it makes no sense because again, Marvel's not, Marvel isn't saying, Oh, these are the five you should buy. And then the rest of it, they're giving you 30 different titles and, how on earth are is anyone, even the most ardent Spider fan, supposed to figure out which of those titles beyond the event and amazing that they're supposed to focus on?
1: It it makes sense from a shoving issues from other publishers out of the spotlight, uh, and that's what Marvel traditionally has always done, where they would just bombard the comic shops with product leaving the owners very little resources to to spend on i mean should they order everything that marvel offers it leaves them very little resources to order books from other publishers which is what marvel wants right it's it's just a, a deluge of stuff that uh, unfortunately causes a lot of uh works from other publishers to be sacrificed like show me a retailer that's not going to order that will will not order a Marvel book over an independent book. Chances of selling the Marvel book are theoretically much higher than selling the book from an independent publisher. So, sure. of course, they're going to spend e- it on Marvel. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, of course, that's their plan. But but my point is I think that they have commoditized themselves at this point. Sure. Because if you're putting out 100 titles and they're all different, okay, then fine. That's what you're trying to do. But when you're focusing 30-plus of them on the same core group of characters... You're 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 doing nothing but deluding yourself. Yep. If if I can have Spider-Man in twenty different comics in a month, what am I? How am I supposed? Even if I'm the biggest Spider-Man fan on the earth, what am I supposed to do? Very very few collectors have the time or money to even think about buying all those books. Right.
1: Not at four bucks a pop.
0: Right. Yeah. And I know the retailers, like the guys at Challengers. You know, they do a, a podcast and. They just don't. They're at the point with Marvel. They don't. They don't order half of the books that are solicited. They just don't order them. The I only thing they don't, they order them to, to. They order them for people like like if you if they have a client that pre-orders something, they'll order for them special for, because it's a guarantee sale, But they won't put any on the shelf. I don't blame them. No, that's what they have to do. But that's kind of my point. Like when you get to the point where retailers aren't even willing to spec your books onto the shelf for five copies. It, it it just seems counterintuitive to me, right. but anyway, let's not get bogged down on the bull That that's that's their bullshit to deal with. I just, uh, you know, I will read Absolute Carnage if 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 it, you know, I'll give the, I gave the first issue a try and I'll I'll read that main series because I think Stegman and and uh, Donnie have proven themselves to be a good team on Venom. So we'll see what's that about.
1: Well, I can't see it. Being anything but spectacular with those two names attached, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: that that's my point. I think the main book could be awesome. I think it could get like I just wish they would just celebrate that main book. Just let it be big, dumb, fun, and
1: focus yep. on it. Yep. Sad,
0: but we need Vin, to be. Vince, total aside, but I know you as a golf fan. Have you seen these uh, this new show coming out called Holy Moly? No. What is this? It's um, <laughs> it is. It's a new reality game show with uh the craziest most over the top mini golf ever.
1: Mini golf. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Looks great to me. I don't know. Looks funny. Is there a flying guillotine in it? I'll watch it if there's a flying guillotine in it. Could be. I don't know. Like I think they should bombard the participants with explosives and sharp weapons and and they have to golf. Yeah, I don't think it's to the death. I don't think it's ah, to the death, see, so. See, that would be fun. Be fun. Lining up my shot. Oh shit. Speaking of to the death, chap. what have you been reading?
2: Uh, I read one book from Lion Forge this weekend, one a couple weeks ago, and the one actually I read it today. Um absolutely fantastic. Uh Ooh. loved it. I picked it up at New York Comic-Con. Uh it's called Kurt Hall. It's um it's a graphic novel, translated graphic novel, obviously, but it's uh, written by Wilfred Lupano, who, of course, Sea of Love, uh, illustrated by Rodwyn, which is um, Rudolph Lunnan, which I'm sure I'm butchering. Um, but it's it's a great story, and it's uh, it didn't end the way I kind of expected. It was it ended in a way that I hoped it would. But I wasn't sure how we were going to get there, and, and that, that that caused me um, some concern. Our, our main character um, is a uh, it's a guy named Vincent who's not of on his luck. Um, but he his uh, his is life isn't exactly going the way he wants to go so he uh and we explain it in in a series he, he's basically narrating the story it's it's um it's kind of like having a conversation with he jumps around a lot and, and instead of just being straightforward and linear he'll he'll uh he'll it all ties together but he'll he's telling us um he'll introduce his friend Gabby um and he'll talk about like how he may have met Gabby, and then um, how that connects to why he's planning on pulling off this armored truck heist, and uh, and how he met the driver, and and why he's doing all of this, and about a few pages in, so we get a little bit as as the uh, as the story progresses. It's it looks European. It's I, I love the art. It's um it's it's a mix of uh, the I don't want to say heavy metal because that's cliche or maybe plain. Some of the art reminds me of the uh, Men in Black animated series. Um, it, it's uh, it, I just I really really like um, or it's art, but we um, we meet Vincent like I said, but he's kind of like the idiot you can't get rid of he's 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 that friendly fool and and you just he he says and does some stupid shit but you kind of feel sorry for him and and you want to make sure that you know he does um make it home at the end of the night and not get the crap beat out of him because he uh he just constantly says dumb shit um so like i said vincent is is planning on knocking off a uh an armored truck um the plane is pretty good. What he and Gabby have to do. I mean, yeah, Gabby's involved and, um, w- Gabby's role is to kidnap the armored car driver's son and use him as basically use him as, as a way to, to prevent any violence because, because the guard won't shoot his son and, uh, they'll be able to drive off with the money and Vincent wants to do this because he wants to go back to Africa because he met and fell in love with a woman and they have a son together and he left right before the son was born um but he left because he, he he ran away he was scared and uh now he's trying to make things right and his family's pretty racist and he um he's just trying to wash the stink of, of his family's history off of him. Um, we do meet Vincent's family briefly. Uh, but I just think, even though, yeah, there's the whole idea of this is, is to rob, steal some money. The way Vincent tells this story, the way the story unfolds. Um, I'm just, I just couldn't stop turning the pages. It, it just, it, completely kept my attention from from start to finish. When I finished, I, it reminded me, in a way of heat, um, it's just, I mean, yeah, it, it's a heist story, but that's it, completely in the background. It's not like it's the town where that's all they need to do. They just, this is, you're, you're more concerned about the characters in the story. Um, you don't want to see, I mean, even though some of the people in the book might be, Pretty. Uh, nobody's truly evil in this story, but you kind of you know you expect them to get what they deserve. if You really don't want to see anybody get hurt and um, and fail miserably. But I just I I love the expressions and in, in everybody's faces. It's just it is so well done. And and it was it yeah. I picked it up at New York Comic Con. Finally read it. Um, wish I read it so much. To- uh, which is one, one of my favorite things I've read, um, this year, but yeah, it, it's just another, um, feather in the cap for Lion Forge. The other thing I read, um, was, uh, adapted into three, three issues, um, and that was called Stiletto. And that wasn't, um, the solicits made it sound a lot better um than I expected. It it's it's not uh, any uh, written and illustrated by Paula Schmidt and again it it's it's another um translated story. Um like I mentioned Heat with Curtain Call, this one kind of parts of it reminded me of maybe um the fresh uh the art is nowhere near as um detailed or um there's still some talent on the page but i don't i i i look at what um, i look at the style from from curtain call and it's it's night and day this tells the story the way it's it's supposed to it's, it it the illustration is is fine for the story this is telling um but it wasn't as uh exquisite i'll say but it was, it's this is a mystery a there are some cops who were murdered uh people think the cops were murdered because they were protecting a witness um so they thought maybe the witness was the target because the witness had disappeared after the cops were killed it, it's it's this whole uh who the person is uh, but you might, especially by the end of the first issue, kind of just the way things are, are telegraphed. But, um, it's, yeah, I, I, I had high hopes. I had high hopes for, you know, uh, I guess they, they, they kind of just weren't met. Uh, whereas Curtain Call, I flipped through it in October and, and decided to pick it up on a whim. And, um, just a complete, um, which I think I think Stiletto may have been may have gone on a little longer than, than it should have all three issues where it were were exercised. It was originally a graphic novel that was broken up into the chapters. Um all the characters in the story are interesting enough, but uh, it seems to kind of just lose its way a little bit as far as am just in my opinion, the way things um played out but it the, the coloring because it's 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 monochromatic in some cases is a lot of yellow um hardly any. Blue, um but the wash there is some blue and and, and some flashbacks but um the, the art has some moments where it's really clean and, and and you can tell everything about what's going on and then i guess because it's it's watercolored. um He gives things up to the imagination when it comes to backgrounds and stuff, but no, it's um, still it wasn't bad at all. And if I didn't read Curtain Call, I'd say you know it's it was one of Lion Forge's um, better efforts of the year. But then when I read something uh, like Curtain Call, it's it's just blows just about anything else away that I've I've read recently. And it's not like it's 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 not groundbreaking it's just the way the whole package was presented and, and I, it's, um, it's a nice, slightly dimension wise oversized hardcover. Um, but the line for just continues to, to do really solid work with, with their translations. And, and I, I can't complain at all, but, um, time, but given, uh, if you could only get one, I, I'd recommend curtain cole. No doubt about it.
1: Nice. I have a question. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't pay attention to the these small details sometimes, but um, does Tradmore have uh, children?
2: I don't know. I think it's just he and his wife. Oh well, I think I thought it was when we had dinner with him. Um, I don't know if that's changed since then.
1: Because hmm. I'm, I'm thinking he, he may want to send his, if he does have children, to private schools. From the amount of money that he's going to get from the uh, OA from this Silver Surfer Black thing. Have you seen these pages?
0: Well, the first two issues have already sold complete, so you're not wrong. Oh
1: my goodness!
0: Yeah, this yeah, thing. sight unseen. By the way, night. they were bought. They were bought complete
1: site unseen. Ah. Did you I, I guys it check it out? It was, it was, uh, yeah,
0: the first issue, Silver Surfer Black.
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Visually, it it's was, ridiculous. It was, it was... The story oh. was like, no, I, I thought the story
2: was just like, I mean, we have. It's well, so that was my story. concern about it being a Silver Surfer story. It's like how much you're gonna. I mean, I it, there was there was a lot. I mean, okay, cool. We we get the um because. The, I've been in the galaxy, so i I've, I've already seen these characters, and I know where they are now um so we got a couple of pages as to how they got to where they are now but um yeah, I think uh a lot of it was just silver Surfer doing what thinking about what Surfer is about
1: weepy noran rad yeah but mm-hmm. yeah,
2: but visually, wow, Whew. yeah, it's
0: gorgeous yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful issue, yeah,
1: I think he was uh, a very good choice for this. Um, and then it wouldn't have been someone who would have been at the top of my list. Yeah, let's get Trad Moore to do a Silver Surfer. Like, yeah, he's great. Um, and and he's wowed in everything that he's done. So, you know, eventually, maybe, but he would not be the first choice. But after seeing this, it's like it's a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't he be my first choice? Look mm-hmm. at this. It's, it's, it's unbelievably beautiful and intricate and trippy as hell and everything that the surfer, I guess, should be
2: and 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 Stuart did a great job with the colors too. Yeah.
1: yeah. It is it's a um it's a monster. Really nice. And it looks yeah, like absolutely. it's going to tie into some some uh venom related things.
0: Yeah, the last page was a surprise. I mean, not a surprise if you think of who wrote the issue. Exactly, because right. Because he created, obviously, the character in question, but I, I didn't see it going that direction, so.
1: But I'm down. So first two issues, sight unseen. Good God.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's good to be Trad Moore.
0: It's good to be a Felix uh, <laughs> artist, basically. Because <laughs> <Yep>. dude... <laughs> Dude has people buying whole issues unseen now. Yeah. That's baller status, man. By the way, happy birthday to Yam. Speaking of Felix.
2: Oh, happy birthday.
0: Yeah. Holding down the forward of heroes for Felix comic art this weekend.
1: He's blossomed. Felix is just, I mean, just when you think he's, he's gotten as big as and he's going to get, it just seems like something else happens and he just skyrockets <laughs> even more. Yeah. It's got control. I like that.
0: I like control.
1: That. Uh, what else do you have? Well, who are you asking? I'm asking you. Oh shit! <laughs> well, huh,
0: you know, anytime I get my hands on a David Rubin comic, oh yeah, I'm a hat. I'm yep. a happy camper.
1: Yep, it does look good.
0: Yes, it does. Uh, I- I'm speaking <laughs> on Grand Abyss Hotel which is uh, by Arkea, a.k.a. the uh, now part of Boom Studios. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to that, by the way, but nevertheless, um, this is what's drawn by my man. Everyone knows I got a huge man crush on David Rubin, and it is written by Marcos Pryor. They are both Spaniards. This is yet another, we seem to talk about these a lot, yet another translation, English translation of a European comic uh in this case this was published in spain uh in 2016 and um that alone gives it high marks because it's probably the most timely book i've read in in a long time and the fact that this was written three years ago uh i give prior and rubin a lot of credit for that because uh this is put out in the zeitgeist of the post-Trump elections, and uh, full disclosure, this is a difficult read if you are having trouble accepting the current state of the world. It is a highly political high... The book is basically a giant social commentary on um, where we are as a society, which, depending on your purview, is a not such a great place um, there's not what's interesting about this book for for me is that there's not what I would call uh, a traditional narrative. Um, it does tell a story, but it's very much more about trying to immerse you in the world as they see it, so it feels very frenetic. Um, which was by design. It's it's in essence, it's a near future where um, we're we're even further divided from a haves and have-nots perspective. At this point in the world, um, because of an economic, a deep economic recession, um, the government has had to dramatically curtail entitlements. In this case, most specifically, healthcare. So, in essence. People's healthcare has just been throttled, and as a result, there's massive social unrest. And uh, Vince, you asked me why I was Guy Fawkes. It's because I was just trying to allude to the fact that this is a spiritual successor to the, a book like V for Vendetta, same kind of 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 uh, of, of um, tone, right? Which is social unrest. And the there's a if you've seen the book, there's a the, the cover. Um, is a gentleman in a red ski mask in tattered clothes running at high speed. He's the Guy Fawkes of the book, although to their credit, he is unnamed in the book. He's more of a figurehead. And um, during a protest, he breaks through the police barricade and uh, causes some havoc, which leads to um, at least an attempt at revolution. But really, the, 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 the mastery of the book and why it's such a, a success, I think, is just every page is a fascinating, uh, illustrative social commentary. So, for example, I mean, the police that have uh, that are trying to, to to keep the riot in check are they have those clear plexiglass shields, which which right, you know, the right gear shields that you see on the news. Right. Only in this case, they have sponsorships. <laughs> nice. So like. Like they like it's like like there's a PayPal logo on the top and, you know, Um, in another scene when they're talking about uh, the the impact of uh, of of said riot, they have simultaneous news feeds from a bunch of different unnamed news stations. And it just speaks to the fakeness of news. Right. So one will say three hundred and three confirmed injured, seven dead. And then the next panel will say over 500 injured, but one dead, and then you know the next panel will say three, you know, 325 injured and and 37 dead confirmed, you know, just that kind of thing, and um, and, and then there's pages that are just basically Twitter or social media feeds of people reacting to the news and and, and just trolling on both sides about how it's fake or how it's ridiculous, know. and, and it's uh, it, it just it's an uncomfortable book because, well, it's uncomfortable if you have a certain social political bent which we all happen to share but if you're a progressive this book is going to make you feel uncomfortable because it is so close to home i think all great science fiction is 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 close enough to the reality of things that it doesn't feel like it's an impossibility at least for me and that's what this is you read this and you think "Mm, i could see this this is not impossible like what happens in this book could be our future if things don't take a turn for the better. So, uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, but, um, the book is, it's, it's heavy and it's action packed and, um, Rubin doesn't waste a goddamn, I mean, talk about putting detail into every page. I mean, um, I should mention the book is also landscape, which, uh, makes it feel different. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal stuff. It's, uh, um, it's kind of cool in, in, in. And as I said, there's not a straight linear narrative structure here. In in one of the parts of the book, um, it's, there's a uh, a gentleman who is in. He's one of the government officials in charge of the decision to ratchet back healthcare coverage. So at some point, he's kidnapped, and there's a a double page where and talk about brave storytelling. There's a double page where it's um 12 panels per page, 1200 grid. Uh so 24 panels and all of them are pitch black. It's 24 pitch black panels, but if you if you hold the book just right, you can see that there's actually imagery in each panel just ever so darker than the than the main black. So if you just hold it up to the light just right, there starts to be imagery taking shape. Much like the way your eyes would adjust. Right? You walk into a dark room in the middle of the night and you say you got to go to the bathroom or something. And if you just give it a few seconds, your eyes adjust just enough that you can start making your way through the through the doorway and whatnot. Um, and then the final panel is just a word balloon. And then you turn the page and the gentleman who is in charge has been kidnapped and he's now in a apartment but, but locked into this apartment. And he has been told that he's been given... Um, He's been given a, a very modest amount of, of currency. It's a cyber currency that they use called, uh, I think, uh, Bittercoin is what it's called. And <laughs> there's a voice over the over the intercom that says, "You're you've been uh, you've been this isn't a joke. Um, you have to live here now, and you'll be able to use you'll be able to access Bittercoin six hundred fifty Bittercoin every month." And you're going to have to figure out a way to make to stretch that to provide yourself with food, shelter, electricity, healthcare, etc. And we're going to use this as a social experiment to decide if your rules for how the rest of the world are getting healthcare is reasonable. And uh, and this dude's like stuck in this room, and and there's a whole chapter devoted to him trying to figure out how the hell he can he can do it. He's like, you know, he 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 goes through all the stages of 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 adjustment. He, he he's scared at first, then he gets angry, then he panics, and he then he accepts. And uh he like tries to destroy the kitchen in protest and then gets his hurts his foot and then he realizes like, oh shit, there's no one to help me fix my foot. Um and then we kind of abandon him. We go from there. I mean he he just kind of accepts his reality and we go to the next scene and it's uh, another part. It's the riot part. It's just uh it's fascinating. And then and then there's another section where the police and the firemen are essentially competing for glory. They're competing over who gets to rescue people and who gets credit. Um, and there's a burning building, and and the firemen are going through the building and they're trying to 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 find any survivors or or potential people that need to have not evacuated the building. And th- and as they see each person, all all they're presented with when they when they scan the face, their masks project to them basically a social media profile of the person. Oh, how many shit. friends they have, how many likes, what their what their interests are, and uh, and it affects how they treat the person. Some they essentially ignore, others they rescue quickly and say, "Come on, we have to help you." Um, just it's it's basically a book of a montage of different visually stunning portrayals of the world we're becoming in terms of oversaturation of, of, of information and, and never ending news streams and, the, and overstating the importance of the mundane. And as a result, diminishing our impact of really important things, you know, like, like we, when they make, when everything is the biggest deal ever, when we come across something that is a very big deal effect, effectively it's the, the reaction is reduced in our minds. And, um, uh, it just it's, a, it's an ostentatious and ambitious book. If I had a criticism, it would be that it is just too short to accomplish everything that they're trying to say. I mean, they're trying to pack a lot of different messages about where the world is going. Um, and so I think inevitably, when you're trying to pack that many messages into a relatively small graphic novel, there's going to be some that hit home completely and they're going to be some that that uh, feel a little slighted. Um, but that's a minor, minor quibble, because I think visually. And when I say visually, I'm not just talking about Rabin's line work. I'm talking about the panel layouts, talking about the use of, of, of text and font. It's just an incredibly thoughtful, well laid out book that, um, I just don't see how you couldn't come away completely blown away by the amount of time and care that they put in the presentation of this package. So, uh, this is an A plus for me. Um, in no small part because I'm just a huge mark for Rubin. But, uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of messaging in this and um, yeah, it's just, it's just a wacky thing. Like even there's a one section where a woman is, is getting in a cab or an Uber or something and she's got Gucci sunglasses on and an Apple iPad and the Uber driver is trying to make small talk with her. And he's like, you know how I escape my problems. He's like, I look at Mont- Montaigne's lamentation of Christ Makes me forget about my troubles. And then Rubin, I assume it's a scan. I don't know, but it's it's a picture of that artwork. And he's talking about it. He's like, I just can't figure out why his genitals are right in the center of the painting. And he's just making small talk to her, and she's just ignoring him. Like She's like, it's just, and it feels so random. But that's kind of the world we live in now, right? Like, people just bring up random shit. Hell, we have that in our Facebook group, right?
1: <laughs> it's like,
0: oh, everybody, tell me about your favorite comic you right? And it's like... Yo, did y'all see what uh, the uh, EPA did this week? And you're like, what the fuck does that have to do with your favorite comic? Like, that's just the world we live in now. People feel the need to share whatever's on their mind, even if it lacks complete context to whatever else is, is happening around them. So I, I just I thought this was so spot on and so poignant. Uh, and a book of its time. Um, I can see this being a book that if someone reads in 10 years, it'll either feel incredibly prescient. Or it'll feel irrelevant because it is just such a book of the now. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm just a huge fan. The, a panel you would have loved, Vince, is they're stuck in traffic. This woman that I'm speaking about that had the Gucci shades is trying to get to the airport. And at some point, their traffic's so bad that Uber driver just says, listen, lady, we're not going to get there in time. So she gets out and walks, and then she's joined by – there's dozens of people walking. But there's a billboard up, and it's, it's almost like the uh, Lincoln Tunnel little – roundabout, uh, when you're coming out of the tunnel and you have that, that, that curve that goes up in the billboards, there's a billboard that says hail Satan. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, <laughs> just little, little sight gags like that are just chock full of every page has these little sight gags and these little infographics that, uh, that, uh, you know, there's a one that, um, that, uh, says, you know, the next billboard says fight for a job and it's a reality show where, where the winner gets a job. Right. So it's just, it's just little things like that, just really well done. And, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just in the right mindset for this because I am fairly nihilistic when it comes to the direction our society is taking in a lot of ways. So I guess they share that view. Um, so just an immense, immense three thumbs up. So my two thumbs and i a dick. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Which is the to size support. of your thumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's I'm why I'm Irish. Right? So. I'm gonna do, uh, Grand Abyss Hotel by Marcos Pryor and Dave Rubin.
1: Sounds great. Oh, it is so i yeah. It is so, so forward to it. I, I love the fact that you have to point out that there's a Hail Satan billboard <laughs> specifically for me. It is my boss.
0: Well I figured you would appreciate it yeah. more than
1: others. Yeah. I do love the Satan. I yeah. kinda lied. I do have something what have you else. It? What? I have something else. I of course lied. You do. I lied. Um I had this on my list a couple weeks back and I don't believe I got into it. Um, It is an anthology, so I'm not going to go story by story. That would be silly and take up too much time. It is, of course, by the master of... uh, One of the masters of modern horror, uh, Junji Ito. Yes. And it's called Shiver. And like I said, anthology, many stories in here, all of which are um, creepy as AF, but there's one in particular... That really affected me. It's called Hanging Blimp. <laughs> um, when it begins, there's this girl, Kazuo, and uh, she's, she's in a, a room, and she's on her knees uh, underneath a desk, and there's people banging on the outside of the the room guys, well, come on out. We know you're in there. Come on. And she hears her own voice beckoning her from outside the room. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then it shifts, and she starts telling the tale of this this girl that apparently committed suicide. Young girl named Terumi. And uh, pop star... Is is her last name Sue? No. Um, That's not funny. Oh, that's gold. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's gold, Jerry. Uh, god damn you! so she she apparently committed suicide because they found her outside of her bedroom hanging from a a power line and um almost to the point where her neck was her 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 head would have been dislocated separated from her the rest of her body had the the effects of gravity uh prolonged um that's how bad it was so she, the she the, she committed suicide in quotes and it's just a fallout from her apparent suicide her boyfriend shirashi is is badgered by their friends thinking that he pushed her to to commit suicide or something he did made her life uh, so dark and made her so despondent that she took her life and and it keeps going from there but then uh Terumi's, head appears in in this village. A giant floating head appears. And they're all like, I saw Terumi the, the other night. It was a giant head. And they're like, get the hell out of here. This doesn't make any sense. So uh, Kazuo goes to check it out herself. And what does she find? But Terumi's giant floating friggin' head. And it, it's a massive head that's just floating in the darkness. And her, her face is illuminated from below. And it's very strange. But this is Junji Ito. So you know, you know what you're going to get. And um, the head floats and uh, comes into a, a, a stand of trees, giant trees. And uh, Kazuo is looking and, and she sees the head come over. And who shows up but Shirashi? And he's like, Oh, Turumi. To, to he climbs the tree and he tries to get to the head. And a noose comes down. And as he jumps, to get to the disembodied giant head of his girlfriend. He's he's captured by the noose. And he's hanged. Which is weird. Where did this noose come from? Well you find out two pages later. It's a giant Shirashi head. With a noose dangling from what would be its neck. And the rest of the story is. Well then the, the two giant heads kiss. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. They kiss in the sky. And, and Keswell is freaked out. But like later on. Uh, she and her friends are walking to school and giant disembodied heads with dangling nooses of themselves show up and the, the the less agile ones are captured by the nooses and they're spirited away by this these maniacal giant laughing um evil heads and they're obviously dead and turns out that if anything happens to the giant head the Human or i don't I shouldn't say human the the earthbound version of the giant head will will die in the same manner, so somebody shoots a giant head with a crossbow and it leaks out all this gas and then the the owner of said giant head on on the ground her her head deflates like a balloon <laughs> and you see her teeth and it, it looks and her eyes are like dangling from this limp flaccid skin where her head was but the, the the whole town is besieged by disembodied giant heads with nooses on them and that's where the the it leads to the beginning of the book where uh Casuo's head her own head is is banging on the outside of the door to uh for her to open up uh, the window for her to open up the window and um she she i won't spill the beans I won't give away the ending but where does Ito come up with this shit? Like shrooms, dude? It's maybe. But the the idea of a giant disembodied head of uh like a doppelganger head is is weird enough but that they're that they're so bloodthirsty and maniacal that they're trying to lure like anglerfish. They're dangling these 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 mm-hmm. nooses to to capture their their counterparts and kill them what's the end game where does where is this leading like why is this happening and in many cases with uh ito you you don't know it's just the 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 joy is in the preposterous outlandish circumstances and you know the specifics don't actually need to be known it's just mm-hmm. uh let's create a surreal envelope and allow you to swim around in that that weird water for 20 or 30 pages and that that's the reward right but um Nothing but respect for Ito. He's, he, he finds, like Stephen King, Stephen King can pull icky bits from seemingly mm-hmm. um, you know mundane circumstances. But uh, it's, this is an amazing, amazing anthology. And uh, there's another one that just came out that I haven't read yet, but I do own it, called Smashed, that I'll probably be gushing about in the future. But for right now, um, Shiver by uh junji ito it's from uh viz media of course hardcover there you go that's proof that it's a hardcover and uh yeah. massive amount of pages i think close to 400 pages and it's very inexpensively priced you can get it for 22.99 well damn yeah do you have any uh junji ito books or do you just I do nice yes. nice yeah we should have a Junji Ito Book of the Month. Oh, speaking of the Book oh, of the Month. Oh, you had a chance. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I did, but I didn't want you know, to tip my hand. Let's look at, uh, well, we told you last time, but we're going to tell you again. Our next Book of the Month is uh, Alan Moore and Company's Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1. So that's going to be coming up soon. So if you can, get mm-hmm. your hands on that first volume. It's... Uh, you heard? collects not only the initial uh, issues in Moore's run, but the, the issue where he tried to pick up the pieces and clean up after uh, the, the prior creative team. That's issue 20, which is good, but it's no 21. 21 is just a masterpiece of, of horror. and We're going to get into that uh, next book of the month. So if you can, get out there and grab Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1, by Alan Moore and Company you won't be a, you won't be uh sad that you did because it's one of the uh landmarks in uh modern horror i think
0: you damn skippy bippy
1: it's gotten to the point where i have to wear my cheaters all the time oh your eyes yeah and it's pissing me off like i Who's could you're old No, man, I've had 20-20 vision since I got my LASIK, and now all of a sudden I can't see stuff that's, you know, six inches from my face, and it's it's bugging me. Mm. And it is because of age, I realize that, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's not fun. It is very annoying, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, did you use your cheaters to read My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies? I did. What did you think of that little original graphic novel that bridges bridges, but is it another volume of the criminal saga as told by Ed Brubaker
1: and Sean Phillips? Um, what did I think? It's definitely not a feel good book, but that goes without, that's what I'm saying. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Um, but it's, it's different. It, it, it's not in the criminal mode. In that, um, it's how do I put this? It seems much more calculated and um, oh, what? I don't want to call it bloodthirsty, but it's it's very very downbeat to the point where it It's almost evil where the the two fall in well I don't want to call it love they become enamored with each other and they to the point where um they're inseparable, and it was all done deliberately to gain the trust and then pull the rug out from underneath him and i don't I haven't come to the conclusion if there was any remorse. At the end, it certainly seems like there was remorse because it has her by the the, the water and, um, you know, apparently lamenting the fact of uh, having done what she did. But I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that um, it wasn't just another day for this. Uh, and I, I'm, her name is escaping me. But what was her name? Her, her real name, not her, quote, stage name that she used in the program. Do you remember what her uh- name was?
2: Um. Actually, wait. Did they? They don't. Yeah. She doesn't tell the woman at the beginning.
1: No, she says it at the end. What her name is because she's called to, um, by the the guys that were trailing her, uh, to make sure that she got the job done. They used Angela. Her, Angela. Yeah, Angela. Ellie um,
2: was her name as the right, as right. the grifter. Or the uh, as part of the whole plan but but Angela's her name
1: and it was kind of refreshing that she enters into this program to try and help her break substance abuse and she has absolutely no desire to even approach trying to break with whatever substances i mean that's
0: that's a good chunk of people that get sent to rehab right
1: right and but she makes no bones about it she's like fuck that i'm we're not supposed to be smoking yeah okay big deal like and and um he, she, she completely, uh, enraptures him and that was his downfall. And, uh, I thought it was great, but it's, it, 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 I, I should have taken a shower after I read it because it just, in, it just envelops you in this, this world that is so strange to me. Like, I, um, I have no conception about, uh, other than the, the insight we glean from Brubaker's works. Like, these people are just, they're just bad, and yeah. and and there there are many many bad people out there, right? That do bad things. And she she has the outward appearance of an angel, but she's anything but. Um, and Phillips, I got to give him props once again. I mean, it's almost redundant at this point, where his his facial expressions are so subtle at times mm-hmm. that I just think he is a, an absolute hands down master. Yeah. Did you like it? That and I know Jason read it too so don't hesitate to to chime in but did you like it
2: I I did um it was it was different for me in the sense that you know, when I'm used to reading criminal it's usually through um a male lens and for for um for this story to be told with a um from a female point of view it was, was different and not not in a bad way at all um it just felt like a different book, especially with 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 Sean with, with Jacob's with Sean's son Jacob's colors over it 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 was definitely a um a brighter criminal book um but it I appreciate the packaging for because it, it, it. I don't think this would have. Um, it, I like that it was a, a graphic novel compared uh, as opposed to, um part of the ongoing, which which is weird to say. It's just it it kind of and that probably helps to feel different in that it, it's not it wasn't presented in the criminal ongoing or anything like that. It, it, it read different. It, it was presented differently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess because I, I've been in a position where I've been fooled. Um, this one was kind of harder to take than some of the other, um, criminal stories where you're just you know, going in that that, any member of the Lawless Clan are shitty people. Anybody that, that that know the Lawless aren't exactly people you want to know. So you already go into those stories knowing that you're reading about characters that um, are doing dirty and if any dirt is done to them, it's deserved. And here um, I just had a completely different outlook and and i had a different take going in but it, it it's still a criminal story but the way the way we were introduced to this character and how she's just telling the story it 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 um it felt different it, it's still a criminal story but it just it it was it was weird it's yeah basically it's just blowing me to say that 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 i'm I agree with you, Vince. I don't, I, I didn't dislike it at all. It was just, it was different
1: to me. And it's almost a, um, I love the cover because it's 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 light and it's airy and it's bright. Everything that the, the story contained within the covers is not, right? Um, but the, one of the hooks for me was the fact that um, Ellie had, been raised on all this classic music mm-hmm. and that she would investigate um beyond the 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 liner notes and and uh read about these characters and more often than not if they had substance abuse problems she would she would hold them dear to herself and you know she knew you know the story about uh, well it's in the book um she revels in the fact uh the the trials that these people went through and they're they're more often than not short lives so I like the music hook or the aspect of it I thought that was great it it made Ellie much more real to me because I've done the same thing I don't you know shimmy up specifically to junkies but uh, I investigate music more than almost more than comics so it's a it's a subject that means a lot to me so the fact that she became (coughs) immersed in this this art form and the culture at a young age. And and that's the thing that she, I mean, she has got a story for everything based on these musical artists and what they went through, which I thought was great. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely different than the, the criminal uh, series proper, but it's, it's different, but yeah, it's the same too, because if, if you take note of what they're doing now, they're bouncing all over the place. You know mm-hmm. they're they're going forward in time, backwards in time. Um, you know one issue here, three issues there. So this could have been single issues in the 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 criminal proper, but um, now what they're doing is we've seen from Bad Weekend is they're taking two issues and making more of these little hard covers, which I think is a great idea because it's going to reach other segments of of uh, the buying public that the, the floppies. More often than not, don't, right? Because I mean, I could see someone who poo-poo's comics picking this up, thinking, "Well, this is something different than <laughs> than that other stuff." When in, it's not, it's just presented in a different format. I, I thought it was wonderful. I never read a Brubaker Phillips book that I didn't like. Even to even Killer Be Killed, I thought was great, even though you know the protagonist is not, again, not one of the the best people out there or someone you'd you'd glom onto in the real world that's kind of the point with these things right but uh no i th- I think this team is is uh it's going to go down as uh a duo to to stand shoulder to shoulder with uh any comics creating duo from the past oh i agree with that yeah did you like it jason well, I mean I did speak on it back
0: when I came out and I read it. I, I to reiterate I, I didn't like it. Um in as much as uh when I say I didn't like it, I mean I don't know how I couldn't judge this against the voluminous other stuff that uh I've read from these two, which I love at all. So to me this is definitely the thing I've liked the least that they've done. Um but uh how do I say this? Um this is just a book that would have had almost no chance for me to like because of my personal experience with this kind of thing. Mm. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the antihero, but, uh, you know, unfortunately I've had too much uh, junky experience, drug abuse in my family's life to have any empathy for it. So. This kind of person i want i don't there's just not a kernel of i have i find not a kernel of of anything interesting about someone like ellie i' i she's too real to me so i i don't i don't it's just on a personal level this book just was was i couldn't separate my my personal experience like with my mother from this and think this is something like to you know what i mean like give me like a mass murder or something and I can like be like be escapist about it but this was too close to home so i couldn't i couldn't enjoy it for what it was.
1: Right. But I mean, how many times in our lives have we been, uh, Skip, how many times have you been bamboozled by a woman or, or, or you know, you, you put the, the uh, uh, cognition on hold for uh, a beautiful package, right? I mean, there's been many times where you just don't think of the ramifications of what you're doing because the thing in front of your eyes is so overwhelmingly attractive, and i think
0: no, no i've never i mean that's never been my thing i've never done that really well more power yeah to i you. mean listen i i well i mean i mean i i've been with my my wife since i was 20 so i i don't know and she was not a junkie so i i have no well
1: but i mean that that's almost not the point i mean skip that she ellie enters skip's life and she's beautiful and on top of it she's dangerous and a little scattershot and flighty and she's exciting right and skip has uh, obviously has a hole in his life where something was and he's because he's he's uh abusing these these drugs so i mean they find themselves in the same spa- place but th- she she's this beautiful glittering thing that's making him forget everything that came before so he falls he falls into it deep and that gives her the opportunity to to do what she was originally uh sent there to do in the first place and then, and it's just it's just it's it's a freaking sad story it really is cuz you I mean we can assume what happens to 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 skip right mhm it's not explicit but we can assume and so mm-hmm. it, it it's almost as if she did it herself and she at least on the surface, um, we can uh, assume that there is some concern for this kid. Uh, I don't know how much, but there's some, right? Because she wouldn't, uh, that that last opening and last scene with her being semi-addled on the beach, uh, I don't think she, it would have just been another event. She would have just continued on you know, her life, but she seems to have a teeny tiny bit of remorse. Maybe I'm reading into it. Uh, so uh, it's, yeah, it, this is the kind of book that uh, her story that that's lingers with you um, after you've read it because of the. It, it, I mean, it's not uh, it's not rainbows and puppies. It's it's pretty downbeat stuff, and you, Brubaker and Phillips are so successful at fleshing out these characters to the point where you know you almost feel like. It, if you don't know someone like them that uh, y- you can pick out these character traits in, in the real world. And yeah, I, oh yeah, I, I, I know a person like that, or I've, I've been around a person who, who acted like that. And then the, the, they just seem to pick out the, the character bits that make these characters very, very believable and real. And that's even worse. Right. Yeah. I just
0: reading this, or I mean, I read this back What I, I guess came out, I think last September, October, something like that. Um, I just remember thinking after I was done with it that this was like you guys said it's a little bit off from like the other criminal stuff, and it felt to me like it veered into the stray bullets zone, and I don't think it's as good like this was like to me felt like Brubaker and Phillips trying to do stray bullets and not succeeding like I think stray bullets is amazing for what it is, and I think criminal is amazing for what it is, and to me, this felt like. Those like these guys trying to see if they could do straight bullets, and it's probably a really unfair categorization of this. But that's what I felt after I read it. I thought, mm. I'm like, Lapham does this thing better than these guys just did. Like, when you read straight bullets, like they're irredeemable characters doing horrible things, but there's almost a puerile celebration of that, like, an unabashed, like, there is no nuance like they're bad people doing fucked up shit or having fucked up shit happen to them. And I found that to be a little, it felt it's easier for me to enjoy that. This, I, I don't know. Like I, I, again, I was caught up in my own personal issues with this kind of person, but also I also couldn't lose sight of the fact that Brubaker is well-known and self-described recovered addict that got in a lot of bad situations before he found sobriety. And, it almost felt like him trying to come to terms with that kind of thing a little bit too. And I just don't think anything we saw of that character there's nothing morally redeeming about her. So if you're gonna tell me a story about someone like that, like tell me a story about that where she's unabashedly amoral. Don't don't try and hint that there might be some glimpse of remorse with her because there there wouldn't be. She's she's morally beyond redemption. She's a complete succubus of everyone around her. So
1: Yeah. Um, I think the difference in Straight Bullets is that Straight Bullets is far more extreme. In, yeah, in no, the, but the,
0: I guess I feel, that feels better to me. Because then it feels like a story to be... Like, even though it's horrible stuff, it
1: feels like it's meant to entertain. Right. Straight Bullets is, is Tarantino meets David Lynch. It's just... The the characters are extreme. The situations are weird and, and uh, hyper... Uh, Hyper surreal, I think, in a lot of cases. But then, um, not Pulp Fiction, uh, Criminal, it plays out like a straight noir more often than not.
0: Yes, yes. No, and that's the thing. I mean, I think that for me, so much of what they've done is masterpiece because, I mean, it's not like the other characters or it's not like Lawless or any of those people are like good people or much can be redeemed either. But there's more of a narrative. You know, I don't know. I, again, it's it's I, it, it, this one is a tough one for me. I I can't separate my. If you're going to create a character like Ellie, it's pretty much at the epicenter of the kind of person that I've like I I I in real life like most detest. Like I I don't find anything redeeming about that kind of person. So. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Personal baggage. Again, I'm not. Far be it for me. I mean, they're they're an incredible duo, and and I know for a lot of people this is their favorite. I, I either this either won or was right up there as they were called for being uh, our listeners' favorite um, graphic novel of the year. So
1: last year, yeah. *Inoclasmus* certainly is very pretty. Well, that's for damn sure. Yeah. All right, everybody, let's back it up. I'm gonna pull into the parking spot. Yes? No? Yeah, parallel park right in there. All right. I'm a damn good parallel parker. Are you? Yes, just like Peter. Hey, everybody. Um, Thank you for listening. Yet again, remember to solicit our sponsor because if you like to save money, they're the best place to do so. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has all the books you want at the price you're going to pay or you want to pay. From Dark Horse. No, that's the wrong one. Big dummy. From Scout Comics, you have Planet Caravan number one uh, for two dollars nineteen cents. Wildcats out of DC, Warren Ellis, one dollar ninety nine cents. And ding from image, it's coffin bound. Number one, Dan Waters and Danny on art. Again, a dollar ninety nine. dot com. Go there. Um in your travels? Hmm. I don't know. This is is tough. Uh, Let's see. I don't remember having anything on the list that I didn't talk about, so I'm going to go back a little bit here. I know this is just wonderful radio. Oh! Um, Dap, did you read Drawing Blood yet? No, I
2: have it right here. I will read it for next week.
1: Okay. Well, um, from Kevin Eastman and company, uh the Drawing Blood Spilled Ink number one and its companion piece, um the uh, Pastiche on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, The Ragdolls number one. I read both of them uh in tandem and I it's 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 different. Uh it's not a a retelling of Kevin Eastman's experiences, but it's of there are situations and characters that are similar to what uh, went down in in Kevin Eastman's past um, mm. I enjoyed it but it uh, it was not what I expected it to be um the the Ragdoll's book was exactly what I expected it to be uh it's very much a uh thinly veiled uh, pastiche on the thing that made him famous which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh instead of um Leonardo and Donatello the ragdolls are named after um famous japanese manga artists there's one called miyazaki oh, oh, nice. yeah um i thought it was fun uh but the the main story the drawing blood it's it was a little strange and i liked it because it was strange there, i mean julie strain doesn't walk into a room and and you know talk to the uh thematic version of of uh, kevin Eastman in the book it, it's. It, I, well, I won't say anymore until you read it, but it's definitely not what I expected, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Okay. Yes. And you better put sunglasses on when you look at the cover because the gloss on it is crazy.
2: <laughs> it is very
1: <laughs> reflective. It's extremely so. Damn. Yeah. Um,
2: and your travels is a little weird. Um. This is not exactly a um, feel-good book, but I caught up on a walk through hell, and I am simultaneously glad I did and wish I hadn't. It is still, um, for my money, uh, based on what I've read by the man, Garth's most twisted work um, to date. And it's it's uh, the it's still one long story, 10 issues in, uh, still illustrated by, um, Gord, uh, Suzuka. And it's, um, we're still following these detectives in this warehouse. And, um, it's entirely possible that, uh, the title could be meant literally that, that they, um, really may very well be in hell. And, um i kind of wasn't expecting a supernatural bent but it is based on everything we've been witnessing uh in these pages it it kind of seems to have um gone that route and um but there is a thread that is connecting everybody's story and it's it's um it's trippy and it is each issue ends it it's not doesn't really end at a cliffhanger it's just it's it's just that's how many pages we had for this issue and and it's continued next issue and and um you know we pick up where we left off and and we're introduced to not introduced but but we continue the story with 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 these fbi agents and um we get to see some flashbacks that kind of um explain things in a little bit more detail and shed more light on why they may be going through these things. Um, I I thought we were kind of free and clear in the, um, in, in the, uh, the ninth issue um, when the uh, deputy director walks in to the warehouse and she seems to be the only one who's able to communicate with another agent and um it looked like everything that the agents were witnessing and experiencing were all just elaborate tricks and um playing with light and and uh makeup and and special effects to that regard but uh no that may have just been what she wanted to think and and um things really are as bad as as the other agents um believe them to be it's just it's it's a trippy trippy book it's it's um i it's weird man if i i know you know the first collection's out the first volume's out um and because again, because it has, this has been one long story, I don't know if you get to the end of the first trade, and you're like, "Okay, that that like I didn't get a complete story and And no, you you wouldn't. Um, you got the start of a story, and we're still we're still going through it. there, there, there is no end, there hasn't been really any sort of uh, nothing's been capped nothing has been we haven't gotten rid of any characters or anything has been written in a way that uh, that there's been closure to anyone involved so far so uh ten issues has still just been one um, long story that has uh that that is just um, i i know there's there's some darkness in just about everyone and and you know when you something has to, I'm not going to call the man on hinge, but there, you have to have something. There are definitely some demons you're wrestling with. If you can come up with stories like this and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've read his Punisher. I haven't read his Hitman yet. I've, I've read preacher, which I know is, is, is dark and, um, is twisted, but I don't recall reading as much as I have of preacher, anything, um, Coming close to 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 the torture and and gruesomeness he has that uh, that he has Goren illustrating and, and 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 because Gordon's style is so like clean and just services the story, the fact that you know when you see someone shoving his entire hand into his mouth up to his elbow, it's like you know when you see somebody draw that you know and you expect something like like if giffen were to draw that it'd be like okay you know that that's 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 extreme and and his 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 style you know it's it's cartoony and and haha but i mean when you see somebody who, who has a very matter-of-fact style it it it's takes you down a different path and it's it's weird but no it's it's still listen i'm i'm recommending it because i don't want to um I'm going to say suffer alone, but I'm not suffering when I read this. I just I I want other people to to experience what the hell is going on in this book. But in your travels, um, hopefully you aren't getting. Hopefully you're not going to binge it a bunch of issues in a a row because that that might be a little bit too much. But I took one for the team with this one, but a walk through hell in your travels. Check it out if you haven't yet.
0: Right on. Well, in honor of it being HeroesCon weekend, I wanted to do, for my In Your Travels, uh, a North Carolinian uh, book. And so, In Your Travels, I want you all to seek out, either at that con, if you're there, or on the interwebs, if you're not, from Atom Bomb Comics, Fearless Dawn Shorts number one which I received in the mail about a week ago. It was one of many um, Fearless Dawn comics that I have procured via Kickstarter, which is where Steve Mannion, the creator, uh, puts out his work these days. And this, as you might have guessed by it being called Shorts, is it's a single issue, 32 pages, but it is uh, a bit of an anthology. It's got um, it's got uh, Five stories and then, like, two one-pagers. Um, and it's got a ten-page story where our girl, Fearless Dawn, and for those who don't know, Fearless Dawn is Steve Manning's creation. She is a bikini-clad, buxom heroine who gets into all kinds of adventures, fighting oh everything from monsters to Nazis, basically, to dinosaurs, whatever he feels like drawing, basically. Uh, in this first story, she is... Um, her car runs amok and she seeks shelter in a haunted house. And when she goes up to the house, well, who's inside the house but a bunch of of classic monsters? Um although because it's and he doesn't call them Wolfman and Frankenstein and Dracula calls them Mumgore and score, the Brainless, Dr. Drool, and Steam Man and Grimjore the Slasher and Buffalo Cyclops and things like that. And uh she, uh, she, with the aid of two other buxom heroines and a mutated T-Rex, go to town on uh, the monsters. Then we are given a story of uh, Devil's Den, which is a—basically, uh, it's a, a Civil War story. Uh, then we're given a story called General Mudd. Where uh it's set in the it's one of the wars and there's a giant panzer tank and uh everybody that's fighting in this uh bayonet rifle battle is covered in a it's a giant mud field, and so everybody gets covered in mud. And uh listen, all these stories are very silly, and they're just a chance for Manion to show off his chops. And then probably my favorite of the bunch um comes right after that, and that is uh an, a, a UFO lands and out comes uh a Martian, but but Mannion draws the Martian with just crazy distended uh, uh brains with like huge pulsing veins and like pustules coming out of the giant head and uh and uh he wants to destroy or end or take over all the women in the in the area and of course uh you know feels dawn has uh, other ideas um then there's a story about Jack the ripper um which uh does not feature Fearless Dawn, interestingly enough. And then um, a few pinups. So it's um, – I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for Fearless Dawn for uh, – to talk about giving my uh, my booze here the feels. Um, our first New York Comic Con together, we were bin diving, and I just stumbled across the first Fearless Dawn trade paperback. And you both were like, oh, you gots to get it. You gots to get it. And I got it, and it was great. And ever since then, I've uh, been all about this uh, life. So, if you would like to check out either this issue or or any of the other Fearless Dawn work, you can do so at uh, indieplanet.us slash adam-bomb-comics or asylumpress.com slash store. Uh, Or you can just Google Steve Mannion Fearless Dawn, and I'm sure that will get you there too. So, Check it out. Fearless Dawn Shorts number one.
1: Excellent.
0: And he will be at Heroes as he always is because he lives in North Carolina.
1: Yep. He's a monster. Monster talent.
0: Oh, God, yeah. yeah. He can draw the women's.
1: For sure. Yep. And everything else. Hey, everybody. Uh, Thank you for doing this with us one more time. If you would like more of this that is not for your ears, but for your eyes. You can go to the Facebooks. We have many groups, um, the Instagram, the Twitter, and check out the Patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We would love to have you. You know the drill, people say good night. I don't have anything to bang on. <laughs>
0: huh. Well, while we're waiting for Dap to say what he needs to say. We would be remiss if we didn't give a big shout out to mr to mr. To, mr. to mr jeremy jaquat j a c q u o t who was already an existing patron, but uh jeremy has decided to jump himself up to the to the uh Illuminati 10 dollar a month level and that warrants a shout out so much love to you jeremy. Thank you very much
1: <laughs> you could just say david and, and we'll give it to you. Because that was a long, long, long.
2: Well, I mean, it was there's almost a minute, but I mean, choo-choo. I do we need people to go on for that long? So we can. Yeah.
1: Okay. You say, David? Because you we probably know, are almost. Oh. oh. Yeah, so you were you're probably close. No. What? This is a choo-choo. Where's yes. how far away are the tracks from your house? Uh
2: maybe uh, eight to ten minute walk.
1: Oh, it's really close. Look at that. I like the ambiance. I like it a lot. I love this town. There you go, people. We love you. Come back. We'll be here. Say goodnight, boys. Good night, hey boys. Happy
0: happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there listening.